NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mollock, and you're listening to Hot podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not you're going to call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former NBA swingman Tayshaun Prince, and whether or not he should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame and joining us in just a moment to discuss Prince's career and Hall of Fame candidacy is Pot of Fame social media manager and our Kentucky correspondent, Shannon Bauer. But before we bring Shannon on, let's talk a little more about Tayshaun Prince. So Tayshaun Prince played in the NBA for 14 seasons and of course famously for those Detroit Piston teams that went to back-to-back finals in 2004 and 2005. And of course, they won the championship in 2004. Tayshaun Prince was a four-time all-defensive second team member and won a gold medal with the 2008 Olympic team, which we was called, as we can all probably remember, the Redeem team after that 2004 bronze performance. So very important for him to be on that team. You know, Tayshaun Prince's Kansi, it's super interesting, right? Because if we look at his career numbers, 11 points per game for his career, four boards, two assists, um, you know, it doesn't jump off the page as this guy's a Hall of Famer. But what Tayshaun Prince was is he's like one of the ultimate glue guys of all time. He was a glue guy on those Pistons teams that went to back-to-back finals. And again, he was put on that 2008 Olympic team. If you look at the roster of that team, it's some of the best players of the last 25 years. And then it's Tayshaun Prince because he was that guy you could insert in any lineup and it just you know contributed to winning. And again, we, Shannon and I, will talk about was is that enough to make someone a Hall of Famer? Is winning a bunch throughout your career, which again, Tayshaun Prince was always in the playoffs, always racking up playoff appearances, always being a starter on those teams. Is that enough to actually get in the Hall of Fame? And we will discuss all of that as well as Tayshaun Prince's college career, which was much more, I would say, um, accolade heavy than his NBA career. Because again, as you've heard on this podcast for the basketball hall of fame, the NBA career matters, but so does the college career as well as even the high school career. Um, and Tayshaun Prince had a very solid career at Kentucky. Uh, and we will go into that career as well. So we have a great show for you today. Really excited to talk about Prince, um, on his birthday, um, his 42nd birthday, um, with Shannon. Uh, the only other thing I want to say before we bring her on is we do have our 100th episode of Pot of Fame coming up very soon. Uh, We will be doing a mailbag episode uh, for the 100th. So please, if you have any questions for me, comments on Twitter, I get questions every single day, um, but I usually answer them. So if you have any questions, anything basketball, football, baseball Hall of Fame related, even what's going on today that you want me to answer on the pod, please email us at potoffame.com and I will try to get to your questions once we do that mailbag episode. We've done this once before, had a lot of fun with it, and I'm excited to do it again for the 100th episode. So again, please don't wait. Send me an email with any questions you have, might have, anything really sports related, any what ifs, any rush mores, anything you want me to answer on the podcast, I will answer or I'll answer as many as I can on that 100th episode. So uh, appreciate all the all the people that have already sent me uh, questions in. I definitely have room though for more. So please send them in when you can. And I will get to those in a few weeks when we do that 100th episode. So with that little infomercial out of the way, let's bring on Shannon and let's talk about Deshaun Prince. 
All right. So I'd like to welcome a very special guest to today's podcast, and that is our Kentucky sports correspondent, Shannon Bauer. Shannon, welcome to the podcast today. How are you doing? Good, Jim. How are you? I am doing well. So as I said, Kentucky correspondent. So obviously we are talking about a former Kentucky Wildcat, and that player today is Tayshawn Prince, former Detroit Pistons standout, Detroit Piston NBA champion, as well as a SEC player of the year while he played at Kentucky. And we are going to be talking about his career as well as his Hall of Fame candidacy and whether or not, you know, we believe he should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Because as you all know, I talk about this all the time in the pod, when we're talking about the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's not just the NBA career. College plays a part. And even high school plays a part. We're not going to be talking about high school today, but we are going to be talking about Tayshaun Prince's overall career as a basketball player. And, and Shannon, um, first things first, whenever I bring someone on the pond, a guest, my first question, my first question for them anytime is, when you think of Tayshaun Prince, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, you know, I think any Kentucky uh, fan, any true Kentucky fan is going to have the exact same answer. Um, took place December 8th, 2001 in Rupp Arena, and it was five straight threes to start the game against UNC. Um, I vaguely remember watching this game, like, as a kid, um, but I think that I watched that highlight regularly. Um, to paint the picture, he, like, I mean, I guess I kind of already said it, but he starts the game, the first five shots of the game are five um, perfect three-pointers from Tayshaun Prince, and just the crowd is going nuts. Like you could hear it through um, the, the TV, just how excited everybody was. Um, and obviously like December, that's early in the college basketball season. Um, it was his senior year. So it was just super exciting. But I mean, I have this vision in my head of that fifth three. Um, he's bringing the ball up and he, in my head, he's shooting from like the paint on the other side of the court. He went from the center, but just like the, the mythology of that three and how crazy everyone went. Um, I have a, a couple honorable mentions. Just his shooting form, I think, also is just a memorable moment. That guy had the weirdest shooting form. Um, just his, he's a lefty, and that right or that elbow would just be like pointed out in a bizarre direction. Um, and I remember as a kid playing basketball. Um, I had a, like a sixth grade basketball coach that told us all not to shoot like him um, because his shot was so ugly. Um, so, you know, this game against UNC was just something else. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't remember him as much at, at Kentucky, but was he, was Tubby Smith the coach then when he was playing there? Yeah. So he was a Tubby guy. Um, he came in Tubby's second season and like was just this um one of Tubby's like higher recruits you know people joke about or people maybe don't have enough respect for like the kind of teams that Tubby had um but I think guys like Tayshaun Prince and Keith Bogans um just exemplify the kind of teams Tubby had so uh would have been great if he would have gotten a national championship while he was there but we can get to that in the in court <laughs> yeah and and you know I when I, when I think of Tayshaun Prince, um, Kentucky memories don't flood back into my, I, I remember when he got drafted, he was a later first round pick. You know, he played all four years at Kentucky, which a four year 
Kentucky first round pick is something we will never probably talk about again. Um, just because they're always a one and done. I feel like for the most part, I know not everyone, but a lot of the time. Um, but I remember, I mean, my first thing is those Pistons teams. I mean, he came on the Pistons and within, a, I think his second year is when they won the championship. And we'll talk more about his role in that team. But I remember him just super lanky, looked like he barely weighed 190 pounds soaking wet. I, you know, you look at his basketball reference says 210. I have trouble believing that, but just super long wingspan. Um, you know, I, I felt like as a defender, he was excellent. He was kind of that glue guy on those teams, but that I really didn't know who he was until those Pistons teams started making those runs. And he was just kind of that guy who, you know, they had big personalities like Rasheed Wallace. They had Ben Wallace, of course, Chauncey Billups, but he was a guy who, if you look at those finals teams, he played more minutes than a lot of those guys you think of first. Maybe he was second or third on the team in minutes played in a lot of those playoff series because he was so vital on the defensive end and he didn't make many mistakes on offense. So I really just remember him from those early Pistons teams being kind of that glue guy. And as I look back at his career and probably why we're talking about today, he was a lot more important. He played a lot bigger role than I even remember. But I do want to move on, Shan, to our, our next segment. We call this That Memorable Moment. And what we try to do here is, again, Tayshon's career, whether it be college, NBA, what was his most significant play, game, playoff series, entire season? More just when you think of Tayshon Prince, what, what is his most memorable moment to you? Yeah, so I think aside from that UNC game, I think the biggest moment that comes to mind for me um, is his 41 points in the tournament. Um, actually, the, the year that he scored 41 points um, in the round of 32, they ended up losing in the Sweet 16 to Maryland, who ended up beating your Indiana Hoosiers gym um, in the national championship game. So, you know, it was, it was a disappointing end to that run, but to see him go out with 41 points, his career high in college, um, and, like, be such a, a leader on um, those tubby teams, I I love that he left or he went out um, at Kentucky on, on such a high note. Um, so I, that's, a, that's a really memorable moment to me. And then um, we'll let you go ahead and we'll see what, we'll see what you say, and I maybe have a backup. Maybe have one more. Yeah, so I'm not going to have any Kentucky memorable moments because, again, I, I, I really don't remember him that much there other than watching his highlights when they when the Pistons drafted him. But for me, and I, I would feel like every Piston fan is going to say the same exact thing, and that's the block. Um, when I say the block, I think anyone that's not a Pistons fan is probably thinking LeBron's block in the 2016 finals. But before that, one of the most memorable blocks in NBA playoff history. And this is not a hyperbole. It's one of the, they will show this when they're showing the best defensive plays in NBA history in the playoffs. It was um, in game two of the 2004 Eastern conference finals. So let me paint, let me set this up here. Um, so 2004, this is the year spoiler alert. The Pistons did win the NBA finals, but before they got there, they were up against the Indiana Pacers. And this is Reggie Miller, um, Indiana Pacers. Indiana's up 1-0 in the series. It's game two, um, and the Pistons are up by two. End of the game. There's less than 20 seconds left in the game. Shan, the score is 69-67. to 67. So this is straight up uh, mid-2000s 
NBA, just no one scored. Games were in the 60s. I actually looked it back up. So during this series, no team scored over 90 points in a game. Um, and out of there was it was a six-game series. Four of the six games um, included one or both teams scoring in the 60s. So this is what teams score at halftime in today's NBA. I don't think our attention spans or just what we expected the NBA would ever allow us to watch this, but this is the NBA you and I consumed when we were growing up um, in our, in our yeah. teens. This is, this is the NBA. It's, it's, so it's 69-67. Let me get back in. So Pistons up by two, less than 20 seconds left. Indiana's up 1-0. If they win this game, they're up 2-0. And we all know when teams go up 2-0, usually they win that series. So Rashid Wallace, uh, Pistons have the ball. He gets blocked. Um, and Rashid Wallace was talking a ton of shit before the game, saying there's no way Pacers will go up 2-0. So he gets blocked. Chauncey gets the ball back. So he gets the ball back, and then he's going down the court. He goes for a layup, and he kind of gets stripped, blocked, whatever you want to say. And then the Pacers kind of outlet it out to Reggie Miller. And Reggie Miller's at the end of his career at this point but he has a wide open layup. There's no one around him. Um, if you're watching it back, if you want to go back to YouTube and watch this, you look on the opposite side of the court, probably seven to 10 steps back is Tayshawn Prince. Now, this is how close Reggie Miller is to the hoop when he gets the ball. When he gets the ball, he only has to dribble once to get to the basket. So one dribble. Tayshawn Prince is 10 steps away, seven to 10 steps away. So Reggie dribbles once and goes up for a layup. He slightly hesitates, but he goes up for the layup. And Tayshawn somehow makes up that ground like a safety in the NFL going to pick off a pass. He makes up the ground like this, like a snap, like a fingers, like this. That was a terrible snap. But snap on the fingers, and he blocks the shot. And not only does he block the shot, but he blocks it inbounds. Pistons get the ball back. They hold the ball. They get fouled. They win the game. So he blocks the shot from behind seven steps behind, somehow catches up to Miller. The Pistons end up winning that game 72 to 67. So they tied up 1-1. And then again, they, they end up winning that series in six games. So if he doesn't block that, you know, um, they, they, the Pacers tie the game up and who knows what happens. If the Pacers go up 2-0 yeah. there, maybe Indiana doesn't win or maybe Indiana does win that series. Maybe the Pistons don't win. And maybe they never win that one championship that defined that team. So as, as much as a game two block can matter, um, one of the most important blocks in NBA history, it's a big what if, if he doesn't make that block, if he doesn't you know, catch up to him, who wins that game, who wins that series? Do the Pistons have a championship now since the 1980s? We, we don't have to worry about that because of that block. And for me, and again, I think most NBA fans that is Tayshaun Prince's defining moment. One of the most important blocks in NBA history is Tayshaun Prince, and that will live for, for NBA history forever. So I'm sure that means a lot to you. Do you have anything to add? Did I miss anything there? Yeah, you know, I well, the that's exactly the block I was going to speak about. But more broadly, you know, I went back and was watching some highlights, and I remember Tayshaun Prince's blocking shots at Kentucky. And I, I should have led with this up front, but I think Tayshaun Prince was like my first love. I was obsessed with this guy as a kid. Like, obsessed I wanted to wear his number on my like middle school girls basketball team I was obsessed with him and I loved um I was this tall then so I was the lanky kid and I like thought it was cool to block shots because of Tayshaun Prince but going back to the the Reggie Miller block um and just watching highlights of his other blocks in the NBA 
the way that he would come in from this side and just like gain 15 feet in two steps and catch up to somebody and um, come in from the weak side to block a shot is really, I guess, um, to me, like that's kind of like the move that I connect to, connect with him. And Reggie Miller, the Reggie Miller block is obviously the most striking and the most important example of that. But that was just like his skill um, in in such a specific way to me. Um, so yeah, overall, I mean, his that's the that's the best block. But his ability to do that and his timing um, on on block shots is so fun to watch. Yeah, I think you bring up the timing is where it's all at and. I was actually shocked when I went back and looked through his numbers. He never, the thing is, and I think this will be held against him. You're right. When I think of him, I think of how linky he was and how good he was in anticipating where to go and not foul and block a shot, but he never averaged over a block a game. And unfortunately, you know, yeah. if, if throughout his career, which I was shocked, I think he had 0. 0.9 a couple of years. So basically I was shocked to see that too, John shocked to yeah, see that yeah it's 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 shocking but he did it when it counted and they were kind of highlight blocks a lot of the time and and he was a you know all defensive team guy four years in a row um second team four years in a row in those mid-2000s so he was one of the best on ball wing defenders in the league and sometimes that just doesn't you know equate to block shots but he he did it when it mattered and again he as you said anticipation timing he he was right there in that and in that block again is his again if he was to be in the hall of fame that's the that's what they're showing first off a block from behind which mm-hmm. again is not it's not this i was gonna say it's not the sexiest thing it's not a game-winning three or you know a monster slam which he could do um but I, but again i, I don't want to say it's not sexy because people will play lebron's block all the time and again this was not in the finals but it wasn't a game that may have decided who, you know, at the end of the day, if the Pistons end up winning, it couldn't have been a bigger block at a bigger time on a Hall of Famer and Reggie Miller. But we will, it is fair to say that was end of Reggie Miller's career. He was an old man. Um, younger Reggie might have dunked the ball. I don't know if that version of Reggie could really get up there, which again, let the play happen. But just, you know, just because you don't like Reggie Miller, Jim, doesn't mean that it wasn't a cool block. And you know, I do love Reggie Miller. Now I hated Reggie Miller when I was growing up, but I have such an appreciation for Reggie Miller at this point that it actually is a little bothersome how much I do respect and like him now. But I think that's a sign I'm grown up. I'm grown up because I hated that man for a very long time. Maybe one day I'll like Paul Pierce, um, but that's for <laughs> that's for another day. I definitely do not like Paul Pierce as of today. Um, so Shannon, I, I do want to move to our last mini segment before we get to court. Um, and that's Ann Twins. And of course, this is when we look at the Hall of Fame today. And we say, you know, who in the Hall of Fame today most reminds us of Tayshaun Prince? So this might be a little tough, but if you were to look at the NBA Hall of Fame today, so only Hall of Famers, who who is Tayshaun Prince's twin? Yeah, so I mean, I do think this is somewhat of a tough call given um, everything we've talked about and stuff we will continue to talk about. But I was doing some research, and I think Bobby Jones, former Nuggets player, um, is probably the best best call here. He, you know, he was known as the Secretary of Defense, and for someone to be in the Hall of Fame primarily as a defensive player, I think that fits Tayshaun Prince to a T. 
um, the, his abilities, his abilities, Keyshawn Prince's abilities, excuse me, were so keyed into his defensive contributions um, that I think the best comp is going to be someone in the Hall of Fame for their defense. Um, he, they also had very similar body types. They're both lefties and we're kind of just known for doing the dirty work. You know, I think what you said earlier about Tishon Prince's minutes um, surpassing those of a lot of other people that you maybe more associate with those Pistons teams because he was out there doing the dirty work, not making the wrong move. Um, there's something in Bobby Jones's Wikipedia about how like he would tell the ref when he was actually the one that fouled someone. So like, I don't really think that's what Tayshawn Prince is doing, but he was out there um, filling the role that needed to be filled um, and being a team contributor rather than an individual player. Um, so, so that's kind of where my head went. Um, but he's a, he's a tough comp, I think. Yeah, no, I actually, he's a tough comp, which is why I actually have the same exact player down because I think Bobby Jones is honestly, not only, not only is the, the closest to Tayshawn Prince in terms of, um, production, but he's, he's honestly like, he kind of is the perfect comp. Um, he, and, and again, Bobby Jones just got in the hall of fame in 2019, even though he retired in 1986. So we had to wait a very long time. And that's because I think Bobby Jones is a, a borderline hall of famer at best, but you said it perfect. I mean, body type, they're literally the other than Bobby Jones was white and Tayshawn Prince was black, basically the same exact guy, six foot nine, both. 210 both so super lanky super long wingspan on bobby jones i'm not sure if it was tayshawn's is seven foot two but it was extremely i mean he was a lanky guy let's just put that way um i do want to correct you bobby jones was a righty not a lefty that's probably the only big difference on him um but the reason i thought of bobby jones even before i i I was thinking of the body type and the defensive you know specialty there is when I think of Bobby Jones, I think of him being a role guy on the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers. Um, the 76ers, when I think of that E3 championship team, um, I think of Moses Malone. I think of Dr. J. And then if you think of the rest of that team, Maurice Cheeks, um, Andrew Tony, those were the guys who were the big scores. Bobby Jones was kind of just the guy that averaged, you know, 10 points a game, played excellent defense, and played a lot of minutes um, but he was the unsung hero of those teams. He was the glue guy of those teams. And that's the exact role that Tayshawn Prince filled on that 2004 uh, Detroit Pistons team. You know, you had Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups scoring, and Ben Wallace was one of the more famous guys, and he was the big defender. And Rasheed Wallace, I mean, he's yelling at everyone, so everyone knows who he is. And Tayshawn Prince was just there averaging, you know, 10 to 12 points, playing a ton of minutes, playing excellent D, you know, guarding Kobe Bryant in that finals, which I want to get to in court. But that's the role Tayshawn Prince filled. And it's exactly, Bobby, I mean, you said it correctly. Their career stats are almost identical. Uh, Bobby Jones, 12 points per game. Tayshawn Prince was 11. Um, I think they both averaged about six boards a game, about three assists a game. Bobby Jones, the one thing he did, and we said this earlier, he was a great defender, but he actually did put up the block numbers and the steals numbers. So, you know, average 1.5 steals for his crew, 1.4 blocks. Tayshawn was never doing that. Um, and, you know, he made 11 all-defensive teams. Tayshawn made four. So that's a big difference there. But in terms of all-star games, so Bobby Jones is someone who started out in the ABA. So he actually, his first couple of years in the ABA, he put up some higher numbers. But once he got to the NBA, they dropped a bit. And he was really you know, averaging 14, 12, 13 points per game, which is 
Tayshawn Prince's best years, he was just a tad under 15 points per game. Um, so again, similar numbers across the board. Both played kind of that glue guy role on a championship team. And the other thing um, about him, they were, they were both super durable. Uh, Bobby Jones was always almost playing, you know, a full season every single year. And Tayshawn Prince, actually, I think his first, I think his first season, he didn't play every game, but I think the next four or five seasons, he played 82 games every single year. Um, he was extremely durable. He was always there and he was always doing his role correctly. So I just brought up his reference to see how many years in a row. And it was one, two, six. So in, after his rookie year, he played 82 games for six straight years, which we all know in today's load management era will never probably ever happen again. So both durable, the Bobby Jones comp, again, I don't think there's many Hall of Famers that you can compare Tayshaun Prince to, but I think Bobby Jones is perfect. So I think you hit that on the head. Um, the only other players you know you look to in terms of a Tayshaun Prince comp are, are any of those players like – if you look at the old Saltic teams from like the fifties and sixties, like eight of their players in the hall of fame. And some of them like average like six or seven points a game. Like I always go to Satch Sanders. I think he, he was a defend a defensive specialist. I believe he averaged like seven points per game for his career and like six boards. Uh, but that guy, I think won like eight championships. So not really fair when you put that in comparison, but there are role players in the NBA or I'm sorry, in the basketball hall of fame, and that's what Tishon Prince was. He was an excellent role player, one of the best to ever do it. Um, but we are talking about the Basketball Hall of Fame and not the Role Player Hall of Fame or anything like that, which I think he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer for. So in order for us to kind of get to, should he be in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Shannon, let's go to our final segment. Um, and this is court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And again, court is where we do the um, we do the case for case against um, you know his Hall of Fame candidacy. Again, we've been talking a lot of great things about Tayshawn Prince and you know his career and, and what he's known for. And let's start with the again some of the more positive things. Then maybe we're talk about why he might not get in. But I guess Shan, when it comes to when it comes to Tayshawn Prince, I guess you know the Kentucky part of his career, his college, you know career i think that's a big that's an important part of his i guess hall of fame can't see and we'll talk about the nba thing in a second but when you look at his kentucky career and you look at the last let's say 25 years of kentucky basketball and you have the anthony davises the car anthony town the john walls all those guys coming through tayshaun prince last 25 years is he a top i don't know 10 Kentucky player to come through in the last 25 years. I mean, I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but if you had to put him in a ranking, is he top five? Where does he fit among Kentucky fans, Kentucky players in terms of the best players to come through Lexington in the last 25 years or so? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's a couple different answers to your question, right? Like not, I can get to the numbers in a second. Um, but when I think just about like the feelings of Kentucky fans, right. Um, if you look at the past 25 years, you know, that, that puts a square in the 1990s championship. Um, there's some fun guys there. Then Tubby took over. Tubby always had these solid teams, um, but could never win a championship. And then you have Cal. We're not even going to talk about Billy Gillespie. And then you have Cal come in with these like, huge personality guys. 
if there's anything that Tayshawn Prince is not, it's a huge personality guy. Um, but I think, so I, I mean, I think maybe among younger fans, I don't know if he's the guy that a lot of people connect with. I think um, those tubby players, maybe Keith Bogans, Keith Bogans probably just as good, you know, very similar um, staff at Kentucky. And then there's Chuck Hayes, who's maybe a little more movable, had a bigger personality, Clint Azabuki. There's some other guys that um, I think people connected with maybe more longer term, but I think for Kentucky fans of our age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, like Tayshaun Prince is it. Like you said up top, he stayed four years. Um, he was good, very good, three of the four years and a contributor all four years. Um, so if, if we're looking at rankings, like, I mean, it's interesting because a guy like Anthony Davis, he was on our national championship. He was an all-star. He was phenomenal. But his best years weren't at Kentucky. He was still so um, he, he was such a kid. Um, his, his body type, he, he wasn't what he is now. Um, so it's hard to compare like a guy that stayed four years and was a contributor to um, a young kid like that. Um, when you look at going to the stats, Tayshaun Prince is number eight on Kentucky's all-time leading scorers in a career. He's number three on all-time three-pointers made. Like he is firmly um, among the best Kentucky players ever. He just did it quietly. Um, and he, not that, you know, he averaged um, number of points every season. He was a contributor. Like I said, he was a leader of the team. But he wasn't showy in a way that we, we remember um, perhaps as much as we should. But like when they talk about what Kentucky players out of the last 25 years deserve to have their um, jerseys and the rafters at Rupp Arena, yes, we throw out John Wall and Anthony Davis, and I'm guessing those two will get in there. But after that, I mean, Tayshaun Prince is probably, Tayshaun Prince and Keith Huggins are probably next two. Um, and I think um, big picture Kentucky history, he is so important and so beloved. But I think given the the, the huge personalities, the Cal Perry era, um, and then those championship teams in the 90s, like falling in the middle of that, I think he gets forgotten a bit or overshadowed a bit despite um, his success partially because of his personality and partially because those heavy teams never won a championship. You know, I think if, if they would have won a championship, they got to the Sweet 16 his junior and senior year. If they would have won a championship, this is, I think, a much stronger question, a much stronger argument. Um, but it's unfortunate they were able to win a championship given um, success and success with some other players on those teams because now I don't think they get the credit that they should be getting. If Coach Cow was coaching the team when Tayshaun Prince was in high school, is Tayshaun Prince a player that Coach Cow would have recruited? You know, actually, like, I actually think he is. Um, and I, that's not just me, like, loving John Paul Perry either. I mean, he was the number – I think he was number 12, I want to say, recruited out of high school um, his senior year. Um, so he was a super high recruit. He also, like – that lanky raw body type is exactly what John Calipari loves. Um, you know, it, particularly now with like uh, the way that the court is spread. And I mean, I think Tayshaun Prince got, got to enjoy some of the current way basketball is played, but you know, I think actually Calipari would have been a fun coach for him, but it, he definitely wouldn't have stayed all four years. Right. Um, but I, I think reimagining a world where it's uh, 
instead of Dakari Johnson and Carl Towns, it's um, Tayshawn Prince and Carl Towns. It's pretty fun. Yeah. A's world, Tayshawn Prince might be like a small ball five at this point um, with how lanky he is. And, but he could shoot the three too. But um, the thing about, you know, you're just saying if he would have won a championship in Kentucky, maybe we're talking about him a little differently um, because again, when you think of college basketball, you think of, you know, who actually, you know, makes it to the final four, who wins it, but his career, you know, kind of shifting to the NBA, like it's all about winning. Like he, you know, he might've not won the championship, um, you know, at the co- collegiate level, but in the NBA, I mean, he was in the league for 14 years. He made the playoffs nine of those 14 years, he played 140 playoff games. He was in the conference finals seven years. So that means 50% of his career, he made it to the conference finals. So he's just he played. You know, pl- yeah, he played on all of those teams. A yeah. lot of minutes on those conference finals. He's not on the bench. He's not on the bench. All those conference finals, except maybe the, the Western Conference finals when he was on the Grizzlies, he wasn't yeah. playing as many. But all those yeah. others, he, he's playing. And then he's in the finals twice. So he was always in the playoffs. He was always in the big moments. Um, and, and that ties to when we when I talked to Sam Smith about Horace Grant's career, uh, you know, we were talking about he's kind of same story as uh, Tayshaun Prince, honestly. I, I think he had one all-star appearance. Tayshaun had none, which I think hurts him. But he had four, four all-defensive teams, and he was on all those championship teams, the Bulls. He was always in the playoffs. And, and Sam Smith's like, you know, it's silly – because at the end of the day, the pinnacle, right? It's 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 winning the championship. That's what matters. And if a player is contributing big minutes, um, big moments to championship level teams, to playoff teams, isn't that all that should matter? It's it's a really good point. It's something I think people overlook because they put people in the Hall of Fame all the time that don't even make it past the first or second round ever. Uh, where Tayshawn was always in that final round or you know next to final round every other year or every year. So. I think that matters a lot. And I guess my question to you, because this is where it gets to his significance, really. Um, and, and we can both talk about this for a little bit, but, you know, I talked about the big block he had in 2004 playoffs. Um, let's say Tayshaun Prince doesn't exist. And let's say they just sub a replacement player onto those Pistons team. Just the most generic. I'm trying to think of the most generic NBA player right now that doesn't really hurt you, but doesn't really help you. Uh, I'll come back to it while maybe I'm letting you talk, but if you just replace Tayshaun Prince with an average guy on the team, do you think those Pistons beat the Lakers in the 2004 NBA championship, or maybe do they even get to that 2004 uh, finals to win the championship? And do you think they make the finals in 2005 without Prince? Like how valuable do you think he was those teams? Do you think without him, they win those 2004 championship and do they get to the finals in 2005? What, Chan, do you, how valuable do you think he really was to those teams? So, yeah, Jim, to be frank, I, I don't think they would have been as successful if you just subbed in some random guy um, in Tayshaun Prince's place. I think Tayshaun Prince was such a skilled defensive player um, without ever getting really into foul trouble, without um, perhaps being the showiest defensive player. But, you know, he's not a talkative guy. And some of the some of the interviews he has done is about guarding Kobe um, it, it, uh, back in 2004, and just that that was his role, and he was tasked with defending the best player on the other team. And I think if you sub in just your average run-of-the-mill NBA player um, as that fifth guy, fifth guy in the starting lineup on those teams, it, it wouldn't have been successful defensively. And it was important that Tayshawn Prince was a glue guy that wasn't getting into foul trouble, wasn't picking up 
um, technical fouls, especially like Rasheed Wallace or whatever else, but um, he was there to contribute valuable minutes. And I, I don't know um, that your average run-of-the-mill NBA player would pick up um, pick up those minutes and just do the dirty work perhaps without um, maybe needing to feel like they need to feel, fill a bigger role. I, I just think he has such a specific defensive skill set um, and his length and his lanky, his lankiness just allowed him to fill space on the court. Um, and I don't think that your average player is going to fill that void in the same way. Yeah, you make an excellent point um, about him guarding Kobe. Uh, in the 2004 NBA Finals, of course, the Lakers had won three finals in a row with Shaq and Kobe. Um, in that series, Tayshaun Prince gave Kobe absolute fits on the defensive end. And that's why Tayshaun Prince was playing so much. I mean, in those finals, Kobe played 46 minutes a game. And that's the reason why Tayshaun Prince was on the floor for 40 minutes in the game. He, he had to basically be on the floor when Kobe was on the floor. And during that series, Kobe only averaged 22.6 points per game over that over those 46 minutes, but even more glaring are his shooting percentages. What Tayshaun Prince did to him, he missed 70 shots during those finals. And there was only, it was only a five game series there. Um, Pistons beat him 4-1. So in five games, Kobe missed 70 shots. He shot 38% from the field. That is not good. If you don't follow the NBA, that's terrible. Shot 17% from three. And it's not like Kobe was totally off. The only place he was really good was from the line. When Tayshaun Prince was not there, he shot 92% from the line that game or that series. So he manhandled Kobe and led the kind of fall of that Lakers dynasty. Um, Tayshaun Prince himself. And, and again, like there was nowhere without Tayshaun Prince, as you said, if they took Tayshaun off the team and like, I don't know who's guarding Kobe there. It's Billups is too, like he's too small. Um, you know, Rip Hamilton was not the best defender. Rashid's a little too tall, I think, to, to guard Kobe. Obviously, Ben Wallace is dealing with Shaq down low. And honestly, you need Wallace, you need both Wallace's down low to guard Shaq. So without Prince, Kobe maybe has an excellent finals there. And we were talking what ifs earlier. Who knows? If if the Lakers win that series because Prince isn't there guarding Kobe. Maybe Kobe and Shaq stay together. Maybe they just keep winning championships. Maybe that derails some of the Spurs championships. You just don't know. But Prince's role, you know, do they win the 2004 finals? It's hard for me to say they, they, they don't just because they did win in five games. It's not like it went seven and, you know, one little thing made a change. It seemed like they really handled them. But again, a big reason why they handled them was because Kobe was so ineffective. So who knows? Maybe he... Maybe he, they wouldn't have won it without him. And maybe in 2005, they don't get back because in 2005, he actually even played a bigger role. Um, I, I think in the Eastern Conference Finals, he was playing Shaq again and Dwayne Wade. And he actually was the third leading scorer on those Pistons teams. He was shooting 50% from three on, in those games. I think he was averaging like 15 and seven or something like that. So the back-to-back finals, I would say one of the two maybe doesn't happen. Do they win the championship I'm not positive, but I do know he had a major role on those teams. And kind of like when Iggy won the MVP of the um, the championship, uh, when the Warriors won in 2015, and everyone's like, well, Iggy's not the best player on the team. It's Staff or Clay or Green. Um, Iggy, you know, fourth or fifth best guy on that team, but he played a huge role 
um, in, in those games. And he was guarding LeBron in a lot of those games. And that's why he won MVP. I don't want to say Tayshaun Prince deserved the MVP of that finals. I think that would be maybe a little overboard, but I don't want to understate how important he was to those teams. And again, neutralizing Kobe, I don't think you really need to do that much on the offensive end. If you neutralize Kobe, that can win you a championship. Um, so Prince's role on that team and all those Pistons teams um, is probably overlooked. I think at this point, it's important to identify that. Now, can that get you in the Hall of Fame? It's tough to make that sell, but is he an extremely is he an extremely important player on a championship team and another Finals team? Yes, and it's maybe more than just a role player, but an essential, you know, key member, key glue guy for a championship Pistons team. Now, before we get to some of the reasons, maybe why he's not, um, or, you know, maybe shouldn't be in the hall of fame or maybe not everyone's radar is a hall of famer. Before we get to that, one other thing I kind of wanted to bring up was around, you know, win shares. This all ties into, to winning, right? Um, Tayshaun Prince had 63.1 career win shares and, and how win shares work really quickly is I'm not going to go into the, all the mathematics and the formula, because honestly, Shannon, it's way beyond my head as well, but pretty much every win an NBA team gets, um, it, each win counts as one overall career win share. And then they divvy the math divvies up that one win among all the players that contributed to that win. So let's say, you know, Tayshaun Prince, hypothetically, let's say one game he had like 40 points. He guarded the best player on the team. um, And he was definitely the reason why they won. He might get like 0.3 win shares for that one game because he was a huge reason why they won that game. You're never going to get one win share unless you score every point for your team or something like that. So that's how win share works. He had 63.1 over the course of his career. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and, you know, if you compare that in history, you know, most players in the hall of fame have more than that. There are some that have less than that, but there are a lot. He has more than, and I was looking at just eligible players for the hall of fame today. So players that aren't in and who are eligible. And he's, he has more win shares than players like Richard Hamilton, his teammate who has been a nominee for years for the hall of fame. He has more win shares than somewhere like Penny Hardaway. He has more win shares than Mark Eden, who's been a nominee for the Hall of Fame a number of years, a defensive specialist. Michael Cooper, who is a five-time NBA champion, defensive specialist, defensive player of the year award. Muggsy Bogues has been a nominee for the Hall of Fame for a number of years. Sleepy Floyd, who has been a nominee for the Hall of Fame. So players that have been nominee for the Hall of Fame already who have gotten serious consideration, he does have higher win shares than those players. And again, I think that matters. As I said earlier, if you're on winning teams, if you're playing championship basketball, if you're in the playoffs, that does matter. He was not playing in meaningless games. He was not scoring, you know, 25 points per game for some team that gets nowhere near the playoffs. He was always playing big minutes on teams. Did he sacrifice numbers for those minutes or for those, you know, wins, those playoff wins? Probably, but he was always playing in the moment. Again, to me, that matters. And I think the win share category matters. I mean, any of those players I Shannon, I mentioned, does that surprise you, surprise you that Tayshaun Prince has more win shares than a Penny Hardaway, a Meta World Peace, a, a Rip Hamilton, a Muggsy Bugs? Does that surprise you at all? Any of those players jump out? Um, 
I do think that the, the Rip Hamilton is super interesting given they were on the same teams. Now, also the Michael Cooper, you know, knowing that they're both defensive specialists. Um, I think that's a, that's a super interesting one. Um, I have one other thing that I wanted to bring up before we go to Case again. Uh, and that's that he was on an Olympic team and won a gold medal. Um, so Tayshawn Prince was on the Olympic, the Team USA uh, in 2008. I don't think people really remember that. I don't think, I mean, that was a weird team. I was looking at the entire roster. You have Chris Paul at 23, and then Jason Kidd was like 36 on the same team. Just a completely random, weird, mid-aughts uh, group of stars and rising stars. It's kind of a funny roster. He only averaged 11 minutes or so, but I mean, going back to your original point about this being the Basketball Hall of Fame and not the NBA Hall of Fame, he was an incredibly successful college player. He has a gold medal um, and he has an NBA championship. So I think some of these things happen in such a low key way, or he was a contributor, but not the star that we perhaps don't really remember. Like in his prime, he was an important, good player. But I think it's worth mentioning um, that he was on that gold medal team in 2008 um, and just wanted to throw that out there on the case for. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That's an excellent point. And honestly, I don't have it in front of me. um, So I can't kind of throw out the numbers here. But if you look at players that have won a gold medal and a NBA finals, started on an NBA finals team and won a gold medal, I promise you 95% of those players are in the Hall of Fame today. Um, And if we would consider them that they're locked for the Hall of Fame if they're still playing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in like... Gosh, if he would have won a championship at Kentucky, that puts him even rare, a championship. Like off the top of my head, when I'm saying this out loud, um, gold medal and, you know, one of finals, everyone I'm thinking of, first of all, if you make the Olympic team, most of those players end up, um, win a gold medal um, for an Olympic team, a lot of those players end up in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you look at the dream team, everyone but Leitner is in the Hall of Fame today. Um, and we, we know why Christian Leitner is in the Hall of Fame. But I know Leitner didn't win an NBA championship. So when we talk gold medal now and NBA championship, like that, that is, I would say, almost all of those players are in the Hall of Fame today. And then, again, I was going to say if he would have won at Kentucky, that would have put him in rarer territory. Because like when I'm thinking college championship, NBA championship, and gold medal, like the players, like Michael Jordan did that. I know that. But when I'm thinking of other players, I'm really, I'm really struggling to even come up with another player. I don't know if Bill Walton won a gold medal or Kareem won a gold medal, but those are players that, of course, won in the uh, you know NBA championship. Magic Johnson is another one. But again, Tayshawn Prince didn't do all three, but he at least did two. And again, Venn diagram wise, gold medals, um, NBA championship starting, and Hall of Fame. I'm sure it's very correlated in terms of Hall of Famers that do those things and that. So glad you brought up the gold medal. Um, I think that shows Tayshaun Prince was seen by not just Detroit Pistons fans, but outsiders as an extremely crucial part of a, a winning team. And you forgot to mention, but I, I want to, maybe you're just being nice to the, the poor members of the 2004 Olympic team, but the 2008 team that Tayshaun Prince was on was the Redeem team. The 2004 team famously got a bronze medal um, in the Olympics, which we feel as Americans, we should never get a, anything but the gold um, in the Olympics. Obviously, today, the world's catch, caught up with um, America. I mean, some of the best players in the NBA, four of the top five maybe players in the NBA right now, are foreign-born. 
So that's not the case anymore. The talent's all over the globe. But back then, it was looked as a, you know, what are we doing here? So that 2018, when they crafted it, they were very particular about who was going to be on that team. We had to make sure this is a winning team. This is definitely going to get us the gold. And Tisha Prince was one of those players. They made sure it was on that team because, again, you don't need a million scores on a championship team, but you need someone that can play defense, that can fit the role, that can do all the little things, the things that don't fit in the box score. And Tejan Prince was one of those players. So the gold medal, Shan, excellent point to bring that up. It's a great place for the case for. But let's shift <clears throat> to the case against. So I think one of the most glaring things of the case against, or, or why he maybe shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, is there's key things like, you know, he never made an all-star team and he made those all-NBA defensive teams, but he never made an all-NBA team. And, and to Hall of Fame voters, you know, there's no, um, there's no requirement, right? It's not like you got to make five all-NBA teams or five all-star teams to be you know, eligible. But it is something we all look at. And him not making an all-star team or an all-NBA team is pretty glaring. Um, I looked back, Shannon, like the voting for the forwards kind of during his peak seasons. <clears throat> and like in 2005, one of his better seasons, he was eighth in Eastern Conference forward voting. In 2006, he was sixth in Eastern Conference forward voting. 2007, eight. 2008, ninth. 2009, 10th. So he was top 10 in voting for the forwards during kind of his peak years in the Eastern Conference, but he was never making an all-star team. To you, Shannon, how glaring is it for a player never to make an all-star team? Do you think you know, hey, it's a popularity contest. It doesn't matter. Or do you think that's kind of a big hole in anyone's resume for, you know, the Hall of Fame? In this instance, I would say, given his his larger resume, it is a glaring issue that he never made an all-star team or, or and certainly that he wasn't ever higher in the all-star voting. You know, I think it's a little silly um, to worry about they made three versus four all-star teams or whatever. Like, I think um, sometimes... It, you really have to consider the context of who was playing the same year as someone else. Um, but I think not making a single all-star team is a pretty glaring issue. And I think, you know, my biggest thing here for the case against is that nothing was quite, none of his numbers were quite big enough. He didn't have quite enough points. He didn't have quite enough blocks, even though we remember him for blocks. Like you said, his block numbers weren't that high. Um, he didn't get that second championship with the Pistons. Um, there, there was just like a little bit missing in every single category. Um, and not making an all-star team does kind of indicate that he was always that step below, but we were talking, you know, when, when we were brainstorming a little bit, um, and going off about T-Shirt Prince before this episode, like he's more than a role player too. Right. So it's interesting, um, that he's in this middle ground of like, he wasn't strictly a role player. He was important to those teams beyond, like he wasn't like the six man of the year kind of guy, but he wasn't ever quite doing enough in any other category to stand out. Um, and so I think in this case, not making an all-star team um, or not being higher in the all-star voting indicates this like larger issue with his resume of just being a step below in every category, um, despite the big picture of him being an important contributor. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it does, it does matter. Um, I don't get too hung up once we get over a certain number, but to be one of the best players at your position, whether it be fans thinking it or more importantly, honestly, the coaches thinking it and, and voting into kind of this, the, the substitutes for those all-star games. 
Um, I think that does matter. And again, I was going through the kind of some of those all-star teams and yeah, there are some players in the Eastern conference. I think Tisha Prince probably deserved to be over, but I think what he was also running to a lot of times is a lot of his Pistons teammates were making it. It'd be like Hamilton, Billups and Wallace are all on the bench. Okay. Well, can you really put Prince on the bench too and have four Piston players on the bench? I don't know. Like you already got Wallace. Who's not a scorer. Is it really fair to throw Prince on there as well? Can you make an all Pistons bench? Uh, that's tough to do. And I think that might've hurt him as well, but there are a number of years. I won't name the players, but I think Prince was better than two or three of the bench guys on the Eastern Conference team. So I think he easily could have made two or three, but again, does, if he has three, is it that much better of a case than now? Maybe it's a little better, but not that much to me. What I think is the more glaring issue, Shannon, and I'm going to go through these names with you and see what you think. But anyone that listens to this pod knows I'm all about contemporaries. All-star games aside, all-NBA teams aside, whatever. When a player was playing, where did he rank at his position group during his time in the, in the NBA or in the MLB or in the NFL? That's what matters to me. And I always had my rule of five. If you were a top five player at your position during your time playing, I don't think you're a Hall of Famer, but you should be at least in the conversation of the Hall of Famer. Now, there's some errors where there's, you know, six, seven Hall of Fame players all at the same position, all at the same time. It's just a, it's just a cluster. I didn't really want to clusterfuck. It's a clusterfuck. It's, it's okay. They're all in, but. Most of the time it works for me, at least for a discussion purpose. So I looked at the 2000s when he was kind of a small forward in his career and who overlapped. And I don't know if there was just a ton of good small forwards or a ton of above average small forwards, but Shannon, when I listed them all out, I had him at 16th best small forward during that time. So I'm going to list out some names to you. And a lot of these players are going to be like, of course, that player is better than Tayshaun Prince. But there's some players, maybe you'd be like, ah, Tayshaun Prince, maybe we could talk about who's better. But let me list out all the players I ranked above him and the players I had right after him. And just let me know if anyone you're like, you're wrong. Prince was a better, just let's say career than so-and-so, okay? So um, I'm going to go slow because there's a lot of names here. But LeBron James. Paul Pierce, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, Grant Hill, Meadow World Peace, Carmelo Anthony, PJ Stakovich, Sean Marion, Lamar Odom, Andre Igaladawa, Richard Lewis, Kevin Durant, Bruce Bowen, and Richard Jefferson. And then coming, so then he was 16th. And then coming right after him, I had Caron Butler, Danny Granger, Shane Battier, Josh Smith. So again, a lot of good names there. And a lot of guys who are in the same kind of category, I think, of a, um, a Tayshaun Prince, honestly. So I had him at 16th. Any of those players that I had ahead of him, and there's a couple I think I was having trouble with, a Richard Jefferson I was having trouble with, um, a Richard Lewis I was having trouble with, a Metal World piece I was even kind of debating a little bit. But who out of those names, any of them, do you think Tayshaun Prince 
was better than? Is he a little higher up on the list than I'm giving him credit? The names that you pointed out, I like completely agree with. Like the Richard Lewis really caught my attention when you were talking. But I think like the biggest thing about what that list you just gave me is, you know, I think a lot about the 90s being a different game than the game today. But like some of the guys you mentioned are playing a different game at small forward than what Tayshawn Prince was playing, right? Like obviously that was Kevin Durant at his young Kevin Durant versus um, kind of end of his career, Tayshawn Prince when they over overlapped. Um, you know, same with LeBron, but like what those players are asked to do for their team is so different from what Tayshawn Prince was asked to do and what a small forward was doing when he came into the league or, and even in 2004 when they won. Um, so I think I, I definitely, when I listen to your episodes and I listen to you record your episodes, I, I think that the, the, the rule that you mentioned being the best, one of the best five makes a lot of sense and holds true, but that list in particular, it's very striking to me how, um, man, like that just highlights to me how much basketball changed in that decade um, that those guys are all playing the same position. Um, and I, I don't disagree with definitely the first 10, definitely agree with you. But I think when you get to that 12 to, to 18 range, there's a lot more. It's like, are you valuing defense more? Are you valuing scoring more? Are you valuing whatever else more? Um, so I think there's some wiggle room probably would put them higher than a couple of the guys you mentioned, but I don't think that you can argue with those first 10. I think that it, it is about what you value, particularly as that uh, position and just basketball in general evolved a bit during that decade. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, when I look at that list, I mean, I, I have my rule of five, right? Obviously he's way out of the, the, the top five, but I mean, Paul Pierce, McGrady, Grant Hill, and, um, I mean, they're already in the hall of fame sets so three. And then LeBron is obviously a first ballot hall of famer as is probably mellow. Um, and then Vince Carter is going to make the hall of fame. So that's three more. Oh, and Kevin Durant. So that's four more right there. I mean, even if he was, I mean, top 10, you could make, you know, maybe he should be the hall of fame, but I don't know whether he's the 16th best small forward from that air, the 2000s, or he's the 12th best, that's a tough sell that the 12th best small forward of a decade or, you know, 15-year period should make the Hall of Fame. So I think that really is kind of a big, you know, case against him that really hurts him. Um, and that's kind of one of my more glaring ones. Is there anything else that you think really hurts his case or, you know, maybe won't have it, you know, really shouldn't even be in the conversation for the hall of fame that we haven't mentioned yet, Chan, before we go to final verdict. I think the only other thing I would throw out there is just, you know, yes, he played in Memphis for a bit and he, he's still um, in the front office in Memphis, but he really peaked with those Detroit teams. And I think maybe if he had ended up in a different place after Detroit, maybe had a brighter last couple of years of his playing career, um, maybe that would add to his case for, but instead his peak is what it is. And, and there isn't um, a strong case after that. And I think that kind of works against him. His career was a bit shorter, um, but I am in, intrigued to see, I don't know what his aspirations are in the front office. Um, but I think had he been more of a contributor in Memphis or been on a better team, more competitive team, um, or, or maybe gotten a championship with another team, obviously the championship alone would um, help him out. But just that, that second phase of his career, I don't think is strong enough um, either. Yeah, I always like to think like Tayshaun Prince is one of those players that I feel like you 
you imagine sliding him onto a team like any of those pop Spurs teams or even the Warriors of the last, you know, five or six years, like that guy fits in perfectly. He would, you know, average 12 points, guard one of the best players. I mean, he's pop's perfect player to slide onto those Spurs teams. You just think this is sometimes like a player. It's all dependent on where they end up. And again, he ended up in a good situation in Detroit. He made two finals. He made a bunch of Eastern conference finals. He was always in the playoffs, but you know, he, you know, Tayshaun Prince gets two or three more championships on those Spurs teams, or maybe on these warriors teams, you just place him in a different team, a different setting you know, maybe, maybe he has a stronger case than maybe we're presenting. Maybe we look at him like we look at like a Andre Iguodala or something like that, but he had that one, you know, early in his career, that peak with the Pistons, it was only one finals. Um, so, you know, it, it was a good situation, but maybe in a even more perfect situation, we're talking about him a little higher than we are, but let's go to final verdict, Shannon, um, because we're kind of dancing around now how we feel about it already. Uh, two questions for you here. One, you know, do you think Tayshaun Prince deserves to be in the basketball Hall of Fame? You know, taking his Kentucky, his international career, as well as his NBA career into consideration. So do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? And then do you think he will ever get into the Hall of Fame? So two questions for you. I think my answer, unfortunately, is no to both. Um, it really pains me to say, I think um, he, again, like a little bit, not enough in every category to get in. And, and I don't think that he will get in. Um, but I, w- I am curious, you know, maybe he'll have a long career in front offices and get in for a completely different, unrelated to playing career reason one day. Um, but I think unfortunately, as much as I love him and as much as he is the, he's the guy that made me love basketball. I'm a basketball fan, um, because of Tayshaun Prince when I was a kid like that, he is my guy. Um, so it pains me to say it, but my answer is no to both. Yeah, and, and we're gonna um, we're gonna share the same answer here. I'm I'm know the both as well. Um, he is again. I said it earlier in the podcast, but he is a role player Hall of Fame. Like when we're talking glue guys, we're talking three and D. Like he's one of the first three and D guys ever in NBA history. He was a little ahead of his time, to be honest. We probably appreciate him even more now than we did when he played, which could have led to more accolades than he ever got when he was you know playing for the Pistons. But he, he's just a, he's a excellent role player that was never, you know, even really the third scoring option on a team. And he's known for, again, we were saying his defense and he made full all defensive second teams, but there's plenty of players on the outside looking in that made nine all defensive teams, eight defensive all teams. Like Michael Cooper, we were talking about earlier, he won five championships with the Lakers and I believe was on eight or nine all defensive teams. And he is not in the Hall of Fame today um, and put up similar offensive numbers. And he was actually like the first three and D guy, like the, the three point line was like invented. And he was like the first guy shooting threes for those Laker teams, the 80s. So, you know, when they're on the outside looking in and they have more championships, more hard work because Cooper won a defensive player of the year award. It's, it's tough to think Tayshaun Prince with less accolades, less championships um, would have a chance. So, I'm a no on both. Um, I don't think he ever gets in, um, but he is for Pistons, you know, fans. I think, I think they would have no problem with him getting his Jersey retired. Um, I don't know if that will ever happen, but he was very significant to the Detroit Pistons fan base. He is a, a, a player that I don't want people to forget about. 
um, because he's essential to NBA history. But I think we'll get lost, and he will be a player, Shannon, when you know, we're watching the NBA 20, 30 years from now, we're watching the playoffs, and they'll show the block. And we'll be like, that, that guy was really good. Like, who is that guy? Like, that guy was excellent. There's been players like that all through NBA history. Um, it's important not to forget him. And again, he will not be enshrined most likely in the Basketball Hall of Fame ever to remember him that way. But he is a definitely above average guy who played in the playoffs for a number of years that should be remembered and had a very significant, very successful basketball career as well as college career. And kind of a, just a, a last question for you, Shannon. Tayshaun Prince, I, I, I can't say I'm an expert on the college basketball hall of fame um i hope one day i am but i'm not an expert today i don't know if you know much about the college basketball hall of fame but does tishan prince have a shot at the college basketball hall of fame uh, at any point again you said he was sec player of the year he obviously never made to the final four or anything like that but he's top 10 in kentucky scoring which is a blue blood program do you think tishan prince is a college basketball hall of fame you know possible candidate down the line yeah i definitely think um I mean, again, it's tough because he wasn't the Tubby Seams never made it, but I think um, both at the NCAA Hall of Fame and then two, like, I think one day he'll, I think um, there is a chance that he gets more recognition from the NCAA Hall of Fame, but I think more importantly, hopefully um, the the fine folks in Lexington will decide to uh, put his jersey in the Raptors. Um, I think there's it's silly, you know, um, the, the, the Kentucky folks have a, a recently, it seems like a weird perspective on just like retiring, putting some jerseys in the rafters. And I think we have a bit of a backlog. So I, I hope it happens soon. They're just now retiring Tubby's Jersey or Tubby's they're re- recognizing him in the rafters on this, on uh, new year's Eve, 2021. So hopefully Tayshawn will be there soon. Um, but I think that like, there's this, there wasn't a star on the Kentucky team. Similarly, there wasn't a star on those Pistons teams. It was a real team effort. And I think that might hurt him um, with NCAA recognition, similarly to the overall hall of fame, the Naismith hall of fame. Um, But I, I I hope to your point that like he is, he is remembered. um, And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about him because like, I, 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 I love nothing more than a lanky Kentucky basketball player to this day. And it all goes back to, um, Tayshaun Prince, like he was my all-time favorite, my first love. Um, and I, I appreciate talking about him for an hour. Could keep going on. Yeah, no. And, and I, uh, love to, you know, players like a Tayshaun Prince. This is a guy, you know, we talk about borderline candidates on this show. Is Tayshaun Prince a borderline candidate? Probably not, but I will talk about players that made an impact on NBA history at any point. And Deshaun Prince is definitely one of those players. So appreciate your time today um, as my Kentucky correspondent to come on here and talk about an ex-Kentucky player. So final thing before we get you out of here, Shannon, and we let you plug anything you want to plug here, Kentucky Wildcats, what, what's the end result this year? You're the Kentucky correspondent. How, how are they going to fare? How far do they go this year? Oh, man. Um, you know, I definitely think this is a Sweet 16 team. Um, fun, fun team. I think we're coming together well the COVID of it all, um, some inconsistent scoring. I don't know if, I don't know if this is a national championship, um, but I think I'm looking forward to a fun run in the tournament after the last two years. Um, so hopefully we can get uh, through the second weekend at least. Um, and it would be very fun to see more basketball longer into April, but I'll take a sweet 16 from this, from this group. 
All right. Well, hopefully they go a little further, but it might be the Tayshawn Prince special of getting to the Sweet 16 here. Shannon, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, cats play in about 48 minutes. So go cats, beat Mizzou. All right, Shannon, thank you for joining today. Appreciate the time. Have a happy new year. You too. Thanks. All right. So I want to thank Shannon again for coming on the podcast. They had a lot of fun talking about Prince. Um, again, he is a, a no for me, but someone who I hope is not forgotten about in, in NBA history because guys like Prince, these glue guys are super important to the fan bases that they represent and they should be remembered and we should talk about them. And even though, you know, Prince is not a Hall of Famer in my mind and I don't think he'll ever get in, I think he will be someone that does come up um, on the nominee list occasionally um, as someone that should be considered. And I think that in itself is, is a pretty, um, you know, it's a pretty big deal. So no for Tayshaun Prince, but happy birthday. And, um, you know, that's all we have for today's podcast. So again, as I said at the top, emails at potoffame uh, at gmail.com. If any, you have any questions for me for that mailbag episode coming up, Falls on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. I mean, if you've done all those things, you've, you've taken care of what you need to for the week. So enjoy it, and we will talk to you next Monday. Thanks, and have a great day.